A number of years ago, my wife and I had some dear friends, and they hit a rocky patch in their marriage. So we recommended to them a Christian counselor that we esteemed highly, and they took our advice. They went to see this counselor, and it was a great success. Uh, Very quickly, they were able to uh, satisfactorily address the issues in their marriage, and uh, the tensions just melted away. Uh, they, where, where there had been conflict, where there had been uh, unease and dissatisfaction, entered in peace. What the Bible would call shalom, which is more than the absence of conflict, shalom is just a well-being, wholeness on all fronts. They were so excited. They were so happy, so relieved, so full of joy. They, uh, they called us up. I remember we get this phone call and they said, hey, uh, we're on our way to your house. We have rented a limo. We're going to pick you up and we want to uh, make a run to Girdwood. We're going to go to the Double Muskie. It's all on us. We are so excited and happy that our, that our marriage is repaired. We've got to celebrate it with our dear friends. And, and so we went on and picked up another uh, couple that we were all mutual friends with. The six of us headed down to Girdwood, had a, just a wonderful evening. It was a great time. One of the only times I've been in a limo, in fact. Uh, see, here's, here's the deal. They were so relieved, so excited, so full of joy because of the peace in their marriage that they, they had to share that joy with other people. We are studying the Jewish sacrificial system outlined in the first seven chapters of the book of Leviticus. The series is titled, Draw Near. This is the way that God had ordained for people pre-Christ to draw near to Him. Now, of course, we draw near to Him through our faith in His Son, Jesus. And today we're going to be looking at what is called the peace offering. And what's going on with the peace offering is is quite similar to what was happening with our dear friends when they were filled with joy and had to celebrate with their friends the peace that they had and the, and the good relationship they had. Because the peace offering, it's fundamentally about publicly proclaiming to the world that you are finding joy in your relationship with God. God is good to me. God is blessing me. I'm so happy in God. I'm so glad that I'm in a relationship with God. I have got to tell people about it, and I want people to come join me in my celebration of God's goodness to me. How's your relationship with God? Do you have the kind of relationship with God that that just bubbles up inside of you with gratitude, thankfulness, joy, and you just can't help but talk about it and share with other people God's goodness to you. That's the kind of relationship God wants you to have that He makes available to you through His Son, Jesus Christ. God has so, so much goodness in store for us if we will walk by faith. And when we do, and we begin to taste and see that the Lord is good, and we begin to experience His grace and mercy and compassion and love poured out in our lives. At some point, we just can't take it anymore, and we've got to tell people about it. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Leviticus chapter 3. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, third chapter in the Bible. By the way, if you've missed any of the earlier 
sermons in this series draw near, you can catch up at clearwater.church. You can watch them uh, as a video or you can listen to them as a podcast. Now, we have already talked about the burnt offering. That's Leviticus chapter 1. That was a couple weeks ago. And the burnt offering is all about uh, finding acceptance uh, with God despite your sin. Having your sins atoned for. That's the burnt offering. Last week, we looked at the grain offering. And this week, we are looking at the peace offering. The grain offering, by the way, is all about dedicating yourself to the Lord. In, in light of God's mercies to me, in light of the fact that God allowed an animal to substitute its life so that I don't have to die, because of God's grace to me, what can I do but dedicate myself to Him? That was the grain offering, and this week we're looking at the peace offering, which is chapter 3. So chapter 3, verse 1. If his offering is a sacrifice of peace offering, this third type of offering, if he offers an animal from the herd, peace offerings can either be from the herd, which would be cattle, or they could be sheep or goat. If he offers an animal from the herd, male or female, burnt offering, remember only a male, peace offering can be male or female, He shall offer it without blemish before the Lord. And he shall lay his hand on the head of his offering and kill it at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And Aaron's sons, the priests, shall throw the blood against the sides of the altar. And from the sacrifice of the peace offering, as a food offering to the Lord, he shall offer the fat covering the entrails and all the fat that is on the entrails, and the two kidneys with the fat that's on them at the loins, and the long lobe of the liver that he shall remove with the kidneys. Then Aaron's sons shall burn it on the altar on top of the burnt offering, which is on the wood on the fire. It is a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord." Then it goes on to talk about what to do if it's a sheep, and then it talks about what to do if it's a goat. And then there are other instructions in chapter 7 that relate to this peace offering. But let me just talk you through the the ritual and the mechanics of what's happening. Uh, In many ways, it's like the burnt offering. So it starts with an animal dying, being killed by the offerer. So imagine I'm bringing a peace offering, and so I lead my, um, my cow or my bull to right up to the tent of meeting, and I present it to a priest, and I say, this is a peace offering. I lay my, put my hand on the animal, then I have to kill the animal, and by putting my hand on the animal, we talked all about this in the burn offering, the, it's a symbolism that the that my sins are being transferred to the animal. The animal dies. It sheds its blood. Uh, it takes the payment for my sin on itself. God, because God in His grace has allowed an animal to substitute uh, its, its life for mine. The animal dies. I skin the animal. I cut the animal up. The Oh, before I do that, the priest captures the blood of the 
bull as it's dying or the animal as it's dying and then splashes that blood onto the altar. I then skin the animal, cut it up. Uh, And in this case, unlike the burnt offering in which the whole animal was burned up and the priests got none of it and the offerer got none of the animal, it all went to the Lord. In this uh, case, the only thing that gets burnt up is the fat and the kidney and a little bit of the liver. And that goes onto the altar and is burned up. The priest, the one who has um, captured the blood and splashed it, the one who has been helping you, that priest gets the skin of the animal, gets the uh, breast of the animal, and the right thigh. But all the rest of the meat comes back to you, the offerer. And what do you do with it? You go and, and make a meal. You create a meal out of it, and, you, and anybody who is in the tabernacle courts is allowed to share in that meal. You preside over it. And so at that meal, you're saying, I have brought a peace offering. Here it is, and come share it with me. And of course, you would then explain what's motivating you. What's motivating you? Now, there are three reasons the Bible talks about for why someone might bring a peace offering. The first is something really good has happened in your life. Maybe you got a new job. Maybe you got married. Uh, maybe you had a, a banner harvest. Uh, your business sold and uh, you got more from it than you wanted. Something really good has happened to you. And you want to say, thank you, God, and tell other people about God's goodness in your life. So that is called a Thanksgiving-based peace offering. And chapter 7 talks about that and has some special rules. It says, by the way, if it's a Thanksgiving-based peace offering, you must also bring bread, both leavened and unleavened bread. And some of that goes to the Lord, some of that goes to the priest, but the bulk of it uh, you becomes part of this big feast that you're going to throw uh, in celebration of God's goodness to you. Uh, the second uh, occasion for why you might bring a peace offering is uh, to fulfill a vow. Now, Christians are told, don't vow. Just let your yes be yes and your no be no. But Old Testament saints often made vows. So they would say, God, I need you to come through for me in this way. And if you do, I will make a sacrifice uh, when, it's all, when all this is over. And an example of that would be Hannah. Hannah, who was barren, and she was desperate to have a child. She prayed and asked God for a son and said, if you give me a son, I'm going to dedicate that child to you. When God came through, she then offered a peace offering, uh, and to say, um, I needed God, I was desperate for God to come through, he came through, and now I am fulfilling my vow, and I'm going public that God has uh, done, he has met my need. So that's a, a vow, and again, the, there are some special requirements for the vow. It also it requires bread and 
uh, you had only one day to eat the meal. After the first day, uh, everything left over had to get burned up. You, you could not eat it the next day. The third occasion for why someone might bring a peace offering is just because. It's called a free will peace offering. You just have to uh, publicly declare how happy you are in God, how thankful you are that God's in your life, how good He is to you, and you just, you just have to go public with that. And so, uh, you just bring a free will peace offering. And that one, you actually had two days to eat, eat all the meat. Don't understand the, real, the symbolism of that, but that's what it says. Okay, let's talk now about the point. Like, what's, what's going on here? What is the purpose of a peace offering? And here's, The purpose of a peace offering is to publicly testify to your joy in the Lord. You bring a peace offering when you want the world to know that you are happy in God. God is good to me, and I want everybody to know that. And so here is a a very public way to testify to your joy in the Lord. You bring a peace offering. The priest hears it because you're telling the priest, here's why I'm bringing this offering. The Lord hears about it because... The fat is getting burned up, uh, which, of course, is the choicest part. The Bible calls that a, an aroma that is pleasing to the Lord. It pleases Him. And everybody in the temple courts hears about it because you, you're cooking up a big feast and everybody's invited, and when they come to partake, you are going to obviously take that opportunity to say, because they're going to want to know, hey, uh, what's the occasion for this peace offering? As they're, as they're eating some of your, your bread, maybe, eating your animal that you've cooked up, and, and you get to tell them, let me tell you, here's why I brought it. I, was, I, was, I had such a need. I cried out to the Lord. He met my need. God has been so good to me. You know what? I just can't keep quiet. My joy in the Lord, He's good, and He deserves uh, all of our praise, right? What a, what a wonderful offering, and it it is eaten, the Bible says it's eaten, because it's eaten in the, uh, the tabernacle, the courts of court, tabernacle court, it's eaten in the presence of the Lord, the Bible says. So God is there uh, partaking of the joy as well. So, here's the real challenge. I, I can't, I don't think we can study the peace offering and not ask ourselves, well, do I ever publicly testify to my joy in the Lord? How do I do that? How, am I willing to throw a party and go public? So, by the way, it doesn't say if you're an extrovert, this one's for you. <laughs> this is the every, every man. Uh, are you, do you think you're going to, if you're an Israelite, are you going to never bring a peace offering? I wouldn't think so. I think you're, you're going to bring a peace offering. If you, if you, want, to, um, if you want God to, be, to enjoy that, because it is a, a fragrant offering to the Lord. It brings Him pleasure. 
And you're, you love the Lord, you want to bring Him pleasure, and you want to praise Him publicly, and you bring a peace offering. And you might be a shy guy, but you know what? You're going you're gonna to make that meal, and when people ask you, why are you doing this? You're going to testify. And so I think there's a, a, a direct challenge to us. Uh, we need to not be silent Christians. We need to publicly testify to our joy in, our, in the Lord, to God's goodness to us. We need to do that in church. Uh, when we sing songs and you're singing it uh, loud enough to be heard, even if you're off tune, you know, people are noticing that. You are declaring your, your commitment to the Lord, your joy in the Lord. When we get up and we testify in front of the church uh, or even to each other privately, but we're testifying about God's goodness. Um, that is, it is, is a grain offering. I'm sorry, a peace offering. And it pleases the Lord. When you uh, talk to your coworker, you talk to your neighbor, you talk to your classmate, you talk to your friend, and you say, hey, um, even when they're not Christians, even when they're not Christians, you say, hey, you know what? Uh, God did this to, for me. I, I'm so happy today because I saw the Lord do this. And, and you're just, you're testifying to God's goodness in your life. And when you do that, God notices and it is pleasing to him. It brings its praise and it brings him glory. Uh, I referenced this verse last week, but I want to do it again. It's Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. Through him, Jesus, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. When your lips acknowledge God and praise God before other people in a public way, uh, it is a peace offering. You're declaring your joy in the Lord. You're declaring that you are at peace with God because of your faith in Jesus Christ, because of his mercy poured out and his grace poured out to you in Jesus Christ, and that you feel blessed to be his child, blessed to be his follower. And, and that, is, that is a sacrifice of praise. That is a peace offering that goes up, and it pleases the Lord. It's, it's a wonderful thing. So we don't want to be silent Christians. We don't want to be silent Christians. Even if we're not the extroverted, outgoing type, uh, sacrifices are costly, Right? They, they cost something, and it might be for you that it, it's a, it costs emotional energy, relational risk, but when you do that, it pleases the Lord. I think it's appropriate for us to spend some time now thinking about some of the benefits that we have by being in a relationship with God. So... Sat down this week, and I thought, I'm going to pencil out my top 10, uh, the top 10 benefits that come to my mind, being in a relationship with God through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. And so some others might jump out, uh, or you might have others that come to mind, but these are the ones that jumped in, out into my mind. So number one, because I have peace with God, through my faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. Because Jesus 
uh, that ultimate sacrifice who laid his life down to pay the penalty for my sin. And God accepts his death as a substitutionary atonement for my sins. I don't, by his stripes I'm healed. I don't have to die because Jesus died in my place. Because of the peace I have with God, number one, I can be sure that God takes care of me. In Romans chapter 8, verse 32, we read, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? What do you think, when you look at the fact that God gave up Jesus to the cross, you can see his heart, how much he loves you. And if he were to do that, he's going to give us all things. So we can trust God's, the heaven, our Heavenly Father's good heart for us. Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 to 33, Jesus says, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? What am I going to wear? For the Gentiles, or the, the non-Christians, seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And then in Matthew chapter 7 and 11, Jesus says, look, you know, earthly fathers, if a kid asks an earthly father, I need some bread, he's not going to give him a stone. How much more will your heavenly Father take care of you? So because I have peace with God, I, I can trust that God's going to take care of me. I'm safe in his care. That's a wonderful blessing that is worth proclaiming publicly. Second benefit from having peace with God is that our prayers are heard. Our prayers are heard. Psalm chapter 145, verses 18, 19, we read, The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. John chapter 9, verse 31. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. 1 John chapter 5, verse 15. And we know that he hears us in whatever we ask. We know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. God hears my prayers. That's a wonderful truth. I cry out to the Lord when I'm in need, and I know that I am being heard. And God will answer. Sometimes it's no. That's not good for you. Sometimes it's wait. Sometimes it's yes. But my prayers are heard, and God acts on my behalf. <clears throat> Third benefit of being having peace with God. I'm going to escape judgment and hell. Praise God for that. John chapter 5, verse 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, Jesus said this, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. That's me. That's you. If you have peace with God through your faith in his son, Jesus Christ, you're not going to come into debt judgment. You have eternal life. You have passed from death to life. That's awesome. Fourth benefit of having peace with God is that I know that God is working all things out for good in my life. Romans chapter 8, 
verse 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, it doesn't mean that everything that happens is good. It just means that God takes everything, the good and the bad, and he weaves it together into a beautiful tapestry, a good tapestry. And someday I will have God's perspective and be able to say, everything that happened to me, wow, look how God brought good to pass. Praise the Lord. Jeremiah chapter 29, 11. And this was spoken specifically to Jeremiah, but God's people have always extrapolated out because it reflects the heart of God for his people. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Fifth benefit of having peace with God that's worth praising him publicly for is this. You know, God gives me guidance for life through the Bible and through His Holy Spirit. I so appreciate that. Your lamp, your uh, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Apart from God's uh, guidance, we would stumble around not knowing what's the right move to make, what's going to truly lead us to joy and abundance. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, we read, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So God guides us through the Bible. He also guides us through the indwelling Holy Spirit. John chapter 16, verse 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, and He has come, and He indwells you if you are a follower of Jesus, He will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he'll speak, and he'll declare to you the things that are to come. Sixth benefit of having peace with God is I've been adopted into God's family with all the people and the privileges that entails. In Matthew chapter uh, 19, verse 29. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. There's a reason the church is called the family of God. There's a reason Christians call each other brothers and sisters. We are the family of God. And we're going to uh, be that family for all eternity. John chapter 1 verse 3 we read, That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. So here are the apostles saying, we're telling you the gospel, and when you believe, all of a sudden, we have fellowship together. And, he goes on, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Seventh benefit of having peace with God that is worth publicly proclaiming, is that God will complete his work in me. I will be saved. Philippians 1.6, we read, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. God began working in me, transforming me into the image of Jesus Christ. He's not going to stop half finished. He'll complete that work. 
And then you combine that with John 10, 29, when Jesus says, my father who has given them to me, in other words, his, his followers, he's greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, uh, if you've repented of your sins and put your faith in God's son, then God's got you. And n- nobody's powerful enough to pull you out of his hand. He's got you. He'll complete what he has begun. Thank you, God. That gives us great security. Eight benefit of being at peace with God. I'm being transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ by the indwelling Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, we read, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And uh, just a few verses earlier, we're told that if we walk by the Spirit, we're not going to gratify the desires of the flesh. If we walk by the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is produced in us. What a benefit to have the Holy Spirit inside of me, transforming me into uh, uh, the likeness of Jesus Christ. Ninth benefit of being at peace with God. I have a way to be cleansed from ongoing sin. Uh, My sins have been atoned for by the death of Jesus Christ. And so heaven, not hell, is my my destiny. My sins have been uh, paid for in full. Uh, They have been taken away as far as the east is from the west, remembered no more. But the fact of the matter is I am being saved, and I'm not yet perfect. And so I continue to struggle with the principle of sin at work within me and at work within the world, and I sin. But when I sin, and when I'm sin, I, uh, that soils my soul. It harms my conscience. It disrupts my uh, fellow, experiential fellowship with the Lord. But God has given us a way to deal with this. In fact, next week, Pastor James is going to be talking about this. This is the big theme, is how, how the, pro, um, the process and the provision God has given us to deal with our ongoing sin. And he has. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth's not in us. If we confess our sin... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I need that cleansing. I'm so thankful that I can go to the Lord and say, God, that was wrong. I don't want that to be a part of my life. Forgive me, cleanse me, restore the joy of my salvation. And it happens. And then final benefit of being at peace with God is I get to spend eternity in heaven. All people are eternal. Humans are eternal beings. Uh, And we can either spend eternity in heaven with God or apart from God in hell. But when you are, have peace with God through his son, Jesus, when you have peace with God, you are sure, assured of the fact that you're going to spend eternity with God in heaven. What a wonderful benefit. That is absolutely worth praising God every day for publicly. John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. 
Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? John 14, 1, 2, 3, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am there you may be also. Someday Christ will return and take us to be with him in heaven forever. Praise God. I see one giant takeaway from the peace offering. And it's the challenge to publicly proclaim your joy in the Lord. To publicly testify of God's goodness to you in Jesus Christ. We want to be uh, public Christians. People should, people should know that you're a follower of Christ, and they should know that you are full of joy and that you think that you are winning by being a Christian. There should be no question. Your non-Christian friends, your Christian friends, everybody who rubs shoulders with you should know, oh yeah, that's a Christian, uh, and that guy thinks that he's way better off following Jesus. He thinks this following Jesus thing is a big boon for his life, and he recommends it to everybody. He thinks you and I should be Christians. That should be, that sh every Christian who, every person who knows us, ought, that ought to be what they think. Let's be people who publicly testify to God's goodness to us. So here I am, I, I can't not do this. I have been, uh, I have a, a platform and I'm going to publicly testify I became a Christian as a kid. I can't remember not believing. I do remember at the age of five or six, praying with my mom, repenting of my sins, uh, asking Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. Um, of course, my knowledge was a six-year-old kid's knowledge. Uh, but it was, I was saved. Fast forward, I remember when I was 12, first time I, I, I realized that following Jesus was going to cost me something. Uh, and I realized that it might cost me some popularity with my non-Christian friends. And, and, and there was this momentary crisis, but praise God, the Spirit of God gave me the wisdom to see I'm better off uh, all in for Jesus. And, and so I remember driving that proverbial stake in the ground and, and saying, God, I want you. And if it costs me, it costs me, but I want you. And from that point on, I have... Not by no means perfectly, but consistently and without turning uh, to the left or to the right, I have been following Christ. And I'm, I'm now 48. And here's my testimony. God has been good to me. I regret not any part of following. The only thing I regret is not following Jesus more wholeheartedly. That's the truth. God is good. I have tasted and seen the Lord is good, and I recommend him to you wholeheartedly. Let's be public people. Man, when, when, we, when we share with people publicly about our, 
uh, joy in the Lord. It is, a, it is a sweet fragrance to God. He sees it. He's pleased with it. And other people might get saved through it and their own faith be bolstered by it. Let's pray. God, you are good to us. We have peace with you. Not because we are good. Because you are merciful. You are full of grace. And you sent your son Jesus Christ to die in our place. He took the punishment for our sins upon himself. So that we could be forgiven. And we could have a right relationship with you. We could have peace with you. And benefit from from your heavenly father love. You are good. Open our lips. Embolden us to proclaim that. In Jesus' name, amen.